one. Have your Bible, please. So it's Pentecost. We already read the story of Pentecost, and I'm going to read another story about the Holy Spirit that goes in line with what we've been talking about. We've got a few Bibles over here if you don't have one. Otherwise, take it out, turn it on, however you do that. Maybe you've got it memorized. Luke 11. (laughs) Unlikely, but possible. Luke chapter 11. So this is one of the sermons Jesus gives on prayer. Jesus taught on prayer quite a bit, which makes sense because prayer is really important, right? Um, Every time he teaches on prayer, he teaches on the same thing, which is interesting, and we're going to look at that today. We're not going to go through this entire passage, but I am going to read it now, and we're going to go through this uh, for the next few weeks. Luke 11, starting with verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, so the disciples are seeing this. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John, that's John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. Now, he's about to give a sermon. It's a three-part sermon because Jesus is a good Lutheran. And the first part of the sermon is an example of a prayer. That was a joke. Um, The first part of the sermon is an example of a prayer. The next part is a little parable. And then he gives an analogy from everyday life, all to prove the same point. Okay? Um, We are pretty familiar with this first part. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And if you're wondering why that doesn't sound exactly like the Lord's Prayer we pray, it's because Jesus prays several prayers in the New Testament and the people who wrote up the Lord's Prayer merged them all together uh, to make it sound good. So that's what's going on. Verse 5. And he said to them, which of you, this is the main part we're going to look at today, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, that's the friend, will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet I tell you, because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And the Matthew version of the sermon adds, or Uh, because Jesus gave this sermon multiple times, as preachers are known to do, right? And in the Matthew time, he says, and which of you uh, who your son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? So you who are evil, I like that little, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? That's an important phrase here. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay, so three-part sermon on prayer. He gives them an example, a parable, and then a good Bible verse uh, that we all know, Ask, Seek, Knock, and then uh, an example from everyday life. And in each of these, if you'll notice, uh, what what are the people asking for? Well, they're asking for multiple things, but one common denominator is bread. You see that? Verse three, give us this day our daily bread. The man who goes to his neighbor is asking for what? Bread. And the Matthew um, version of the sermon that I quoted, along with asking for the other types of food, 
the son asked for a loaf of bread. So Jesus is teaching us how to pray. That was the question. Please teach us how to pray. He gives a sermon where people keep asking for bread. So what Jesus is saying is the most important thing to ask Jesus for, to ask the Father rather, he's praying to the Father, to ask the Father for in prayer is bread. So what does bread mean? It's not just like food. For many people, you ask for bread for food like in the camps because you need provision. And that's part of what bread means. I think next week we'll talk more about all the different things that that bread represents. But there's one primary thing Jesus is trying to get at. He's like, when you pray, you always need to ask for more bread. You always need to ask for more bread. So what is the bread? Let's cheat. Look at the end. How much more will the Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. This This whole sermon is about asking the Father for things. Jesus is saying the main thing you need to ask for is bread. And what is bread? The Holy Spirit. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit? So the most important thing for us to ask God for is more of himself. More of his presence, his word to our heart, his anointing in our life. More of him. That's what we need to ask God for more. And the reason I think this is so important is because we often think we know what we need, right? We think we know what we need. My kids think they know what they need. I need ice cream, right? They think they know what they need. But sometimes we're wrong. But if we're asking for more of God himself, if we're asking for more of the Holy Spirit, we will always be right, and he will always say yes, and we will always get it. So if you want to get your prayers answered, ask for the right thing. And when in doubt, just ask for more of the Holy Spirit. How much more than what a good father would want to give to his kids will God give us the Holy Spirit? That's, that's the whole point of the passage. I'm going to backtrack now and look at some specific things. So I want you to look at verse 5. This is the, um, the little parable part. So we're the man... And we just had a friend show up. It sounds like it was maybe unexpected, right? That happens. Or maybe it was expected and there was just too many of them or something and we ran out of food. That happened at least twice this week. when we ran, Literally once ran out of bread. Thank God for Instacart. Um, and so, especially in A&E culture, that's ancient Near East culture, hospitality and guest rights and all these kinds of things are extremely important. If you have a guest, you must provide for them or you're like the worst. Okay? And not just the worst socially, but spiritually as well. This is in the Old Testament. Okay? And the worst crime you could possibly commit is to do violence to someone under your roof who's there as a guest. That's literally the worst thing you could do in that culture. And so this guy is desperate to get some, br- some food, some bread in particular for his friend. He's really desperate. So he goes, and this is us in the analogy, in the parable, he goes to his neighbor, his friend. And who's the friend in, this, in the parable? God, the Father. Now, pause for a sec. Notice that Jesus is telling a story where God the Father is the jerk. Is that strike anyone as a little odd, right? He's telling the story, and the antagonist, the bad guy, is God the Father, who will not give what we need. But I need it. I want it. And he says no four times. He says no, 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 and no. 
Now, why, I ask you, would Jesus tell a story in which God the Father is the bad guy of the story? Because that, because he really isn't. Well, that's, that's true. That's true. And you're like, uh, something's going on here, right? It's, it's perception versus reality is what it is. See, um, and we're going to re- read another passage that shows this. But God the Father isn't actually the bad guy. We know that. God isn't actually reluctant to answer our prayers. In fact, the whole point of the sermon is God is not reluctant to answer your prayers. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So he's not reluctant, yet in the story, he is reluctant. So what's going on? Jesus is saying, look, I know you guys really well, having created you and been your God for the entirety of history. And I know the way you are is that when you ask for something and don't get it, you assume that must mean God is reluctant to give it to you. And if you ask again and you still don't get it, man, he really doesn't want to give me what I need. I need this. God, give it to me. And you still don't get it. And now you start thinking God's kind of a jerk. And if that continues, God must not actually care about me. And pretty soon, your view of God gets skewed. And we've talked many times about how important your view of God is. It's the most important thing in your life. And when we ask for what we need, or what we perceive that we need, which could be different, but when we're asking God for things and we're not getting them, the tendency is for our view of God to get skewed, and we start to view him as the jerk neighbor who won't give us what we need. And Jesus knows that about us. And so what he's saying in this passage is, I know how you think about God. But listen, even if that's the way he is, which he's not, but even if he were, if you just keep bugging him, he'll give you what you want. Right? Because even the jerk next door, if you just don't leave and keep yelling, out of annoyance, he will get out of his bed and say, take the stupid bread and go. Right? And Jesus is like, look, even if God the Father were a jerk, if you just bug him to death, he will Answer your prayer. That's the whole point of this passage. Persistence in prayer. Every time Jesus teaches on prayer, he teaches on persistence. The key to prayer is persistence. What does persistence mean? You don't give up after twice or two months or two years or 20 years. I've been praying for healing for my entire life. I'm 41. My dad's been praying for my healing for my entire life. I'm 41. That's a lot of years to pray. Have you given up praying for me? Good. Thank you. Other people haven't either. That's persistence. You keep praying. And there are times when I've wondered, why don't you heal me? You can heal me. I've prayed for people who've been healed, many of them. Why not me? It's possible for our view of God to start getting a little skewed. Why not me? Are you a jerk or do I not matter? Or am I, do you not care about me? We can have those thoughts. And those thoughts aren't good. We need to get rid of those thoughts. But Jesus is saying, even if we're in that place, if we just are persistent and keep asking and keep praying, annoy God to death and he'll give it to us. It sounds like a weird lesson, right? But this is the lesson, and it's many places. Keep your finger there. Flip to Luke 18. We're going to read another passage that, well, it basically says the same thing, just in a different context. Luke 18, 1 through 8. I'm going to read it real quickly, if I can find it. Luke 18, 1 through 8. And he told them a parable, and this, this, I like how Luke does this at the beginning. Luke explains the parable before he tells it because I think he perceives that people are going to get this one wrong. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not give up. So that's the point of this, right? Not lose heart is what my version says, which is what we do when we pray and we don't get answered. We lose heart, right? We've all kind of felt that sinking feeling. 
in our soul. When the thought comes to our head, probably put there by the devil that says, God might not actually care about you enough to answer this prayer. It's a lie. Lie. Okay. Verse 2. He said, this is Jesus now talking, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And while he refused, for a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, that's amazing, Um, I know, though I'm the bad guy, again, this is God the Father, we're the widow seeking justice, God the Father's the jerk, the unjust judge, who says, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect, that is us, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice and speedily. Nonetheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? It's an interesting last statement. If we give up praying, we don't demonstrate faith, is what Jesus is saying. Many of us give up on praying the things that we're supposed to be praying for, and that's a lack of faith. To prove our faith, we need to be persistent and keep praying, keep bothering God, as it were, until he answers us. That's what God actually wants us to do. And that demonstrates our faith. Because if you can pray for something for that long without seeing the results, it has to be faith. Because in the natural, that is stupid. Uh, A a guy came to me once who said, I've prayed for people that haven't gotten healed, so I don't believe in healing. I said, all right, pray for 100 people. I want you to write it down, document you praying for 100 people. And if after praying for the next 100 people, no one has gotten healed, I'll give you $1,000. And the reason I did that is because if you can pray for a hundred different people and none of them get healed, your faith is immense. And you'll end up being like a super healing evangelist after all that. Because most people give up after, oh, I don't know, one, maybe two. If you're still obeying God after that long, it has to be faith. There's no other, there's no other way it can keep happening. And so um, in this passage, the, the woman needs justice and... Again, Jesus puts God the Father in the role of the bad guy. God has pretty good self-esteem, right? He doesn't mind. There are many analogies where God the Father is a female. God doesn't care. doesn't bother him. There are many times where God the Father is the bad guy. That doesn't bother him. God's kind of big. Nothing can actually actually bother him in real life um, from that point of view. And so, again, this is the same thing. Jesus is saying, okay, God isn't like this. But when we ask for justice and don't see it, and hello, have you ever watched the news? Have you ever heard a report from a missionary? When we look at this world, we don't see much justice. We certainly don't see as much as we should. And so when we ask God for justice and don't see it, we feel like God is unjust, or he doesn't care, or he's stubborn, or whatever it is. We feel these things about God because of what we see. And Jesus is like, not true. But even if it were, if you just keep bugging him, he'll buckle. And he'll give you what you ask for. It's weird. But this this is a trend that continues through the Old Testament, too. In the Old Testament, he prophesies, I believe this is to Isaiah. 
baby Jeremiah, this is what I want to do. Now, give me no rest until I do what I have said I would do. So God said, this is what I will. Now keep praying until it happens. And don't give me any rest until it does. And we think, why don't I just do it? Like, how, how hard is that? Like, I want to do this. Do it, God. Like, we're advising him. But here's the thing. We don't understand how the universe works. Last two chapters of Job. If you, if you need convincing of that, read the last two chapters of Job. There's plenty of other places in the Bible, too. We understand this much of the universe. And God is like, look, you don't get it. Daniel prayed. And it took 30 days for an angel to show up. In that case, there was spiritual warfare happening. Literally, like a demon was was keeping him from coming, and Michael the archangel had to come and fight it. It's this kind of bizarre but super awesome passage. And the point is, we don't know what's happening in the spirit. We don't know how things work. We don't know how the free will of other people might be limiting what it is that we're asking for. There are so many factors, and I'm not even going to pretend that I understand what they are. Okay? But what I do know is what the word says over and over and over again which is, this is what I will. Get in line with my will. Father, thy will be done is the beginning of the passage, the beginning of Luke 11. Thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Is God's will done in heaven? Yeah, how often? Like literally constantly. And so our proclamation, that's not a request, by the way, in the Lord's Prayer. That is a proclamation. Thy will be done on earth. Thus saith us, the church. Thy will be done here, just as it is there. It's not happening yet all the time, but it's happening a little. It's happening more than it used to, and it's happening more and more. Why do we need to keep praying it? Why doesn't it just happen? I don't know. That's just part of the suckiness of the life we live, (laughs) okay? The world is hard. We have suffering. We have sacrifice. It's just the way it is. I can't explain it, but the word says, give me no rest until I do what I said I would do, and so that's what we need to do. Give him no rest. We need to be persistent. (laughs) I love what the the guy who neither fears God nor respects man says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So again, that's not how God actually is. But Jesus is like, even if God were unjust and uncaring, if you just beat him down by praying all the time and letting him know, by the way, I'm never going to stop praying for this. Just FYI. And then you don't stop praying for it. If you do that, it will eventually get answered. And here's the interesting thing. When we're praying for other people, this tends to happen more than when we're praying for ourselves. Sometimes when we're praying for ourselves, we have to have this kind of incredible persistence. They use the word impudence here in Luke 11. Impudence is, if you look at the definition, being offensively bold. And in Luke 11, Jesus said, I tell you, he's not going to give him what he needs because he's his friend, because friendship doesn't go that far. But because of his impudence, because he is offensively bold and he won't shut up and he won't give up, he's going to get up and give him the bread. And that's, Jesus says, how we need to be in prayer. Now, this is hard for those of us who grow up in cultures where being too bold is offensive. Minnesota, Japan, wherever else we're from, in in these kind of cultures, like, offensive boldness is very much discouraged. It was true in his day, too, in the A&E culture. Paul last week brought up blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking by way over there. Bartimaeus is blind. He can't see what's going on. And he's, Jesus, son of David. He's shouting. Everybody's like, dude, shut up. What are you doing? The prophet's here. Let's make our street look good, okay? 
And he doesn't give a crap because he wants to see. And he believes that Jesus is there and he can make him see. And so he screams out. He cries out. and He doesn't care what anybody thinks. The woman with the bleeding disorder for 13 years, I think it was, however long it was, in that culture, you're not allowed to touch another person when your menstrual time has come because it makes them unclean, et cetera, et cetera. You're not supposed to go out of your house. She's been in that way for 13 years, 14 years, however long it is. It's, she's had enough of it. She goes out. She presses through the crowd. That means she's touching everyone. She's breaking the law probably hundreds of times on her way to Jesus. Doesn't care. Grabs onto that rope. And in each of these cases where people show this kind of persistence, this impudence, Jesus says, great is your faith. Faith is directly connected to persistence, to impudence. Just like he says at the end of Luke 18, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Prove it by not giving up, by being persistent. And this impudence, I think we see more often when we're praying for other people. I don't know why it is. Again, I don't understand it, but we do see it more necessary in that case. And that's what Luke, uh, Luke 11 is saying. So this one you might not catch if you serve, when you first read it. The man is going to his friend to ask for bread. And then he's bringing the bread to his friend. Right? That's the situation. When we are praying for other people, our friends, family, whoever it is, most of the time we go to God. So you're going to be God and congratulations. And Reina, you're going to be the friend who needs something. We go to God. The, the story is you go, get bread eventually, and you bring it. That's the story. But when we're praying for other people, when we're trying to get God to touch other people, what we usually do, and this is not bad, this is, not, this is just not what Jesus says here. We go to God and we say, bless her. Help her. Do everything for her, God, please. And that's how we do it. That's called intercession. It's called prayer, and it's good. We should do it. It's many times in the scriptures, but that not, that's not what happens here, right? What happens here is, give me more bread, which is what? The Holy Spirit. Give me more of the Spirit. Give me a word. Give me, give me healing, anointing, whatever it is. Give me more, and now it's my responsibility to move my feet and give it to her, or she won't get it. You see the difference here? Sometimes in our prayers, we sort of just put everything on God, and if God doesn't answer, that's his own problem, right? And it's sort of a cop-out a little bit. Like, we're like, oh, bless him, bless him. I'm not saying don't do that. Please do that, <laughs> like all the time. God bless this person. But sometimes, and in this case, we need to go to Jesus. We need to go to the, the Father and say, give me more. I, I am willing to be involved in what is happening here. In the Old Testament, God is, the Spirit of God is searching to and fro for someone who is skilled? No. Amazing? No. Willing to stand in the gap, to say yes. And so we're not talking about intercession. We're talking about, I'm going to actually get involved. Give me what she needs. Give me bread for today. Give me my daily bread, too. Give me my daily bread, yes, but then give me more. Give me your spirit, yes, but then give me more. Give me what she needs, and I will take that, and I will bring it to my friend, bring it to my person. That's called revival, okay? That's, that's what that is. That is us getting more of God, more from God to bring to someone else. And why does it have to be that way? I don't know. But sometimes that's how it has to be. Sometimes we actually need to get involved, Sometimes we actually need to be willing to take what it is that God 
wants to give and to bring it to them. That's, I think it's because we're the body of Christ. So we're the feet, we're the hands. And so sometimes we have to receive with our hands and walk with our feet and give to them what the Holy Spirit wants to give to them. Is that, are you seeing the difference between the two things? Okay. Um, it, it's subtle, but I think it's really, really important. We ask, and then we bring it. And we ask, and we bring it. And that might be a continual thing. But notice all the no's. No, 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 no. It can get discouraging. It takes time. We really have to persevere. When we're praying for other people, when we're praying to get something to bring to somebody else, sometimes it takes more time, and we really have to persist. We really have to be imputed. God, you love this person. I know you do. Do what you said you would do. And a lot of us are like, I could never pray that way. God has a smite button on his keyboard when he answers those emails, and he will use it. But look look at what Jesus, this is Jesus saying, because of his impudence, he'll give him what he needs. He's teaching us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Bother God. Be shamelessly bold as you ask and pray. Then you'll get what you need. Difficult. Very difficult for us. As a Minnesotan, it's very, very difficult, okay? Um, So I think we need to allow the Spirit of God to sort of open us up to some new areas of prayer, some new possibilities. We need to ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And be willing to, again, this isn't like in public. I'm not saying, you know, run around and do stuff prophets did, which is often insane. Um, This is you praying to God that that's your heart, that you're not going to give up, that you're going to be a little impudent um, and a little inappropriate and a little bold. Read the Psalms if you need some encouragement on this. Sometimes the way David talks to God, you're like, he's up a little, David. How dare you not show up and defend me? David says to him, do you not care that all of your people are being oppressed? You said you were our God. Now show up and do what you said you do. A lot of the psalms are like this, and you're like, eh, let's skip to the, like, praise you from whom all blessings flow ones, because that, that works better with our religious sensibilities, right? Um, but that's just, it's just not what the Bible teaches. Um, Steve, you had a question? That's exactly right. He said, you go, you heal the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you cast out demons. Absolutely. And, I, yep, and I've said this when it comes to prayer for healing. In the Bible, we don't read prayers for healing that say, oh, Lord, we know you probably maybe want to heal this person. Please do it. That would be super awesome if you would do it. That's never how Jesus prays. Jesus says, be healed. And that's usually it. Look at how the apostles prayed in Acts. Please, I need some money. I need some money at the beggar at the gate. And they're like, look, I don't have any money. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. 
It was a proclamation because the healing had been given to them. The gift of healing had been given to them. That means it's theirs. Means it's their responsibility to use it. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Even greater. Absolutely. And that's, that's how the apostles always prayed. They said, be healed in Jesus' name. Sometimes they would anoint with oil. Sometimes a bunch of people would gather and lay hands on and that sort of thing. But it wasn't a big, long begging. It wasn't begging, please, 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 please. And this is often how we pray when we ask God for things. We do a lot of begging. Um, and it's just not what we see in Scripture. I'm not saying it's evil. Don't get me wrong. I'm not judging the way you've always prayed, okay? I'm just saying the way we see it done, the way we see it modeled in Scripture, is more of a proclamation. Be healed in Jesus' name. That's, that's how we see Jesus do it. That's how we see them do it. And when it comes to praying for other people, we see this kind of impudence a lot. Um, think about my, one of my favorites is the, the friends who bring the, the crippled man to Jesus. And there's a big old revival meeting happening at somebody's house, and they can't get in. Now, the friend doesn't have faith. And Jesus is clear about that afterwards. The guy who's crippled, he doesn't have faith. He's probably asked for prayer forever, and he's fallen into this wrong belief that God's unjust or unwilling or reluctant to heal me, and he's just not going to do it. But his friends say, forget that noise. Jesus is here. I saw him heal a dude yesterday. You're getting healed. He's never going to heal me. Shut up. You're getting healed. He's never going to heal me. I'm not going. You're crippled. You can't stop us from bringing you. We're bringing you. And so the four guys bring him to Jesus, and they can't get in, and they're frustrated. And they say, oh, well, that's too bad. I guess he won't get healed, and they went home, and that was the end of the story. No, they're persistent, and they're impudent, and they do something very offensive and shameless. They climb up on the dude's roof and cut a hole in it, and they lower the guy down on his mat. And everybody's offended because, duh, that's offensive, right? Don't you respect property rights, God? Right? And, and Jesus pauses his sermon, and he says, what do you want me to do for you, you know? And he, and he forgives the guy's sins. Interesting. Pharisees freak out. How dare you do this? And he's like, well, which is tougher, for me to just say the words, your sins are forgiven, or for me to say, take up your mat and walk home? And then the guy gets up and walks home, and they're like, darn it. And he says, because of the faith of your friends, go home and sin no more. So it was the faith of his friends. It's the people who went and asked for bread. And they didn't just say, God, heal my friend. They said, God, give me what I need to heal my friend. And God said, you take him and you bring him to that house. And so they said, okay. And they brought that bread and they said, we're bringing you to this house. They moved. They did something. And God healed their friend forever. How amazing is that? And restored his faith. So I'm pretty sure he believed in Jesus. <laughs> After that, it'd be tough not to. There's, there's tons of stories like this. The Samaritan woman Paul mentioned last week who Jesus said no, 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 no to. And she's like, look, just, you know, even the dogs get the scraps that fall off the children's table. And he's like, okay, you have so much faith, I can't say no. This is not my mission. I am not supposed to heal your daughter. But you have so much faith right now. You are so persistent. I can't say no to you. And so he says yes. And his daughter is delivered from a demon. Okay, this is what all these passages are talking about annoy him so much that he will do what you're asking him to do. He can't help it. When you are that persistent and that impudent, it shows so much faith that God can't resist. He looks at that and he says, well, I got to do that. I can't help it. That's not part of the plan. 
I had another plan to heal them or something. I don't know how it works. Again, I don't know how it works, right? But he can't help it when there's that much faith. It just happens. It, it moves the gears of the system and the spirit. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But I know that the more faith is present through persistence, then the more it's going to happen eventually. Steve. Yeah. Is that okay? We prayed for him, Our Lady. I think a lot of us here need prayer. Still. Who, needs, who still needs a miracle? Who still needs a healing? I do. There's plenty of us here who do. Or someone, your friend, someone who you want to ask for bread for. Okay? Let's do that now just as a group. Let's break up into groups of, I don't know, two or three people. And remember, we ask before we lay hands on folks and get permission or we don't lay hands on them. But let's break up into groups of like three or four people and let's just pray for the needs that we have. Whether it's us that needs that bread, that part of the Holy Spirit, or whether it's our friend that needs it, let's pray and agree that that would happen, okay? Because I'm sure we all have something. So let's, let's do that and remember, be persistent and don't give up. Ready to break. Actually, let me, let me do the benediction here quickly since some might pray longer than others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile down on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.